This episode of this Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey is brought to you by Energy Healer Jean Borders' Personal Powerful Transformation Program. Know you're leaving money on the table, but can't figure out how to bring it in? Need to double your productivity and profitability? Need an extra push to get things moving in the right direction? Visit www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com slash transformation now and apply for a business consultation with Jean. Welcome to the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey, where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Prepare to feel a sense of relief and empowerment as we get rid of the baggage you've been carrying that's held up your business success up until now. Be sure to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com. While you're there, subscribe to us via your favorite network. Now, lean in, get comfortable, and prepare to take off. Good morning, everyone, or good afternoon, or good evening from wherever you're listening from. This is Jean Border. I'm your host with the Focus Practical Dreamers Journey podcast. And I have another special guest with me. I just love these conversations. I get so juiced. My special guest is Rosalind Warren. And I am excited to have her here, but I'm going to let her tell you a little bit about her. Hi, Rosalind. Hi, Jean. Thanks for having me and welcome, everyone. So good <laughs> to be here. Oh, so tell you a little about me. We only have an hour. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you get a short portion of the hour. Yes. Hour. So, well, I love working with folks who are on the entrepreneurial journey, and uh, they're they found they've gone along and gone along, and things are okay, and then they kind of hit like we hear it called the glass ceiling, but they're just bumping into something and they're then they're mystified why can i not take that next step forward and so i call myself an intuitive wealth and abundance coach because that's what we work with and you notice there's wealth and abundance because the way i look at it they are not the same thing to me wealth is an aspect of abundance Mm-hmm. Does that sound? Yeah. Um, you teach? Well, and they, the reason that I parse it out that way is because for so many soul-led, heart-centered people, we just don't talk about money. We don't like using the word money. We want abundance. We want prosperity. Blah, yeah, 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 yeah. But when it comes right down to it, it's like, I'm not comfortable talking about money. And you know where that all comes from. <laughs> it comes from all the generations in the past, through our down, through our family. And if, if you were raised in a family that didn't have a lot of money money was probably never talked about and certainly not talked about positively so we're dragging that same stuff up so when we start talking about let's make some money most of us instantly go into some kind of a a triggered response 
whether we realize it or not. And so that's what the glass ceiling is all about. It's your your wealth set point of what was created through. Uh, I love how um, Abraham said, you know, as you've been along the trail, <laughs> things that you've picked up and they're it's all the subconscious beliefs and things that are going on. So I like to just get it out there on the board that, yes, we want abundance. We have abundance. We, in fact, you can't even get more abundance because you are abundance. But what we're looking at doing is allowing yourself to allow money to be like air. You breathe air, you don't go, oh, when's the next breath coming? Well, wait, if I breathe real hard here, will there be any breath next month? That doesn't even, it's like, that's silliness. And yet, do we not do that with our money? We're like, wait, six months from now, I'm going to have this bill. Is there going to be any money for that? And we're talking about that now because why? <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, Rose and I are in a group together. <laughs> she knows so what's going on with me, and I'll just go ahead and put it out there. I'm trying to, I'm not trying to, I am planning a really cool, I've always done Christmas up big. That's that's just what makes me happy. Mm-hmm. People don't have to understand it. They don't have to get it. But that brings me joy to give mm-hmm. special things to people that are close to me. Mm-hmm. So I am planning this really cool Christmas present for my immediate family. And we were on a call yesterday and she heard me talking about, well, am I limiting myself? You know, the normal stuff that comes up when you want to do something and you can force yourself to afford it. But there's all that tension that shows up in the body. As soon as you think about when I spend that money, it's going to be gone. Yeah. Oh, no. What if I need it? What if the furnace goes out on my house in the middle of 10 degrees below zero weather? What do I do? I need that cash on hand in case, right? Yes. Whether it makes logical sense or not is irrelevant. Mm -hmm. What is important is what it does inside your body. The tension that shows up which is no longer expecting air to be there. It's like (laughs) being underwater with a scuba tank with the air about to run out, Mm -hmm. which is a different feel where you do have to control your breathing. Obviously, I've done this. I've not had it run out, but I've been underwater depending Mm -hmm. on a scuba tank. So you have to regulate your breathing when you're underwater and the air is about to run out. You have to, the training has to kick in, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. But we don't have that same training around the the emotions, the tension, the stress that can kick in when we think about money, yeah. money not being here when I need it or disappearing or me spending it too quickly or I, I spend it as soon as I make it. That's a big one, right? Yes. Yes. Or rich people are just greedy. Mm-hmm. Corporate greed. Oh, my gosh. You don't have any idea how much that's a trigger for him. It's a company. It's only in business to make money. Of course, (laughs) you're going to call it greedy. But if it doesn't make money, it's going to go out of business and all those people are going to be out of a job. Yeah. And well, logical. If you're not making money, you don't have a business. 
And you may call it a business and you may work your little fingers to the bone in it. But if you're not making any money, you have a very, very expensive hobby. Yes. And you can't. This is where clients come to me is they are really heartbroken because they can't have the impact that they know they're here to have. They can't have, and we're not talking about a big, massive team. If you want one of those, you can have one. We can have anything we want. We just have to decide what we want. But they would like to have a few people helping them in the background, and they would like to be able to do it in such a way that they are... They are helping that person have the life they want. So it's not, oh, I want to hire somebody. Um, and then, you know, if I can't pay them, I let them go. That's not the kind of process we want. We, we want to really change lives, including the people that work with our people, our lives, you know, all of these things. So we're, we're working in this. And one of the things you said, this idea, um, that, Money goes as fast as it comes in. That is an actual particular thing that was embedded in you from your birth family. I I am all about. I think our generation we've we've made the shift. Um, if you're not into astrology, just go with it. It's true. <laughs> we have been two thousand years in the Piscean age. And we have now moved into the Aquarian age. You know, gosh, when we were kids, the age of Aquarius. I love that. It's a, a land song. <laughs> it's a thing and we're there. But what that involves is we are no longer living the way we were raised to live. We don't have to. We can carry it on for the next 300 generations if we want to. But I know that for me and people who are called to me and the people that I know, we're actually here on a soul mission to stop it. We are the last generation to live out the stuff from the past. And we can't even really blame our parents because they got it from their parents who got it from their parents. I mean, I guess we have to go all the way back to Adam and Eve and want to find somebody to blame. <laughs> but the point is, it is in our DNA and we're here to stop it and say no more. So that our children and grandchildren and future generations are not walking around with all of these ideas that make no sense in today's world. I, I tell my clients all the time, our belief systems typically are created by the time we're about eight years old. Mm -hmm. We make judgments about the world that we don't really understand the event that caused us create to create those judgments. Mm -hmm don't really understand the language that was being used, that we heard, that we didn't quite take in maybe the way it was meant. Mm -hmm. We didn't understand nuances. We heard something and it struck us and we created a whole world around it. Mm -hmm. That's what our brain does. It's We live inside our head. Um, I, Tony Robbins had this thing on social media a while back. We don't live in actual reality we live the reality we focus on mm -hmm. so 
our imagination is great, but we live inside this and we make judgments about what we see. And I make a different judgment than you might Mm -hmm. about the same event. Mm -hmm. Well, if you have siblings and you're and you're grown so that now this all the grown siblings are having these conversations and you i have specific memories that my sisters say didn't happen they were there i know they were there i saw them there one is my mom took us to bear lake when we were kids and these other two are like never happened i'm like Well, some other sisters went with me and mother to Bear Lake, but that's the point. We, depending on where we are in our process and depending on who we are, if we're incredibly sensitive people, we picked up on stuff that uh, others didn't pick up on. So, yeah, it was happening, but now we have this whole frame of reference here. And then the other piece about this is also depending on how you hear source energy or your guidance. Like for me, I'm what's called clairvoyant, not clairvoyant, uh, clairaudient. I get it in my mind. Claircognizant. I ran through them all so you could pick the one you want. But I just know stuff. It drops into my brain. I know it. Now, when you're a kid, that's not helpful. Because you got, I know, and I tell my mother, and she's like, you are just too big for your britches. Go sit down and shut up. You don't know nothing about this. And I'm thinking, well, yeah, I do. (laughs) But that's one of the ways that we get shut down. Now, we're full-fledged adults. And we're looking for our wings. And we're trying to run a business. And we want to serve clients. In our bones is this a a trauma, really, of if I speak my truth, someone is going to shut me down. I'm going to be shamed. I'm going to be judged. And I'm going to be told to sit down and shut up. That didn't feel good. So never mind. I won't do a video. I won't post on social media. I won't put myself out there. So you're making today's decisions based on crap that happened, may I say, 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago. But it's still in there protecting you. And that's the other piece. Sometimes I am not in favor of the whole thing of we've got to eradicate our ego. I believe that we are here to love all of ourselves. That's kind of our biggest mission on planet Earth this time around is to just love all of us. That includes the ego. Your ego is your personality. That's what makes you unique. We are all one. We are all made of the same stardust. We we are actually the same until we land in a body and have a personality. And that's what makes Eugene, makes me Roz. So I can't get rid of the part of me that actually makes me me. But what I can do 
is heal it and stop letting it drive the bus. Unconsciously. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, in my journey to where we are today, um, I literally, which I think a lot of us do, I'm not going to tar myself with I was the only one, but somehow or other, well, hello, I was the old, oldest child in a, um, there wasn't, there wasn't obvious alcohol at the time, but there was codependence and just totally dysfunctional. And so as the oldest child, it was my, and I knew stuff. It was my job to keep this family together and make sure everything was fine. So I took on this role of, okay, I'm I'm the one who has to keep this mess together because these people are crazy. So, you know, straight A's, you know, everything so that, you know, at least, at least when people looked at me, they would think our family was together. Crazy as it was, but that, again, that's what, as a kid, I took that role on. Well, that didn't stop when I left and got married. Now I was just in control of this whole family. And so this, this trying to rule the world, thinking that I was in charge, I had a relationship with a higher power, but it was, it was kind of out there and would swoop in and save me if things got really, 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 really bad. But Everything else was up to me. And then it just finally was one day like, okay, I'm done. I was 50, so it took a minute. But it's also in that time frame where most people have these, you know, epiphanies. And I just surrendered. I said, all right, look, if this is all there is, then I'm out. I, I, I can't, I will not do this anymore. It's not fun. No one is benefiting from me even being here. I'm done. And in that moment of surrender, I didn't realize what all I had actually surrendered to, but I immediately felt better. Then I had to go get groceries. And <laughs> there's an old phrase is, you know, before enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. After enlightenment, you chop wood and carry water. <laughs> so I went to the store and there, where we were at the time and that before they remodeled, the book section was right there at the beginning, opening of the store. So I wandered through it and I saw this darling little book. I'm always attracted to small books and it ended up being the secret. Oh. Now, never heard of it before. Didn't know anything about it. In fact, funny story. I was looking at the back and I'm like, oh, this is pretty new age. So, oh, because I was really called to it. But, oh, so put it back. And then I'm wandering around and I'm like, ah, that book. So I picked it up and I said, if I'm supposed to have this, let me know. And I opened the book and on the two facing pages was a Bible verse. And I went, okay. Shut the book, bought it, and the rest is history. Well, of course, if you don't know the secret, <laughs> that is the only Bible verse in the entire book. And it's only in that one little spot that I opened the book to. And it was just my sign that this was okay for me to explore. And, and it changed everything because what it opened up for me was, hello, you are not in charge. 
You can create your own reality. Everything you have 100% control over creating, yes. But you're not in charge. You don't have to be in charge. And the biggest, biggest piece for me, and I heard somebody say this the other day, and I went, oh, come talk to me. <laughs> They're like, I don't like that law of attraction. Every time I read it, they're blaming me. And I went, no. Actually, the fundamental number one piece of it is there's nobody to blame. We come out of the victimhood that we've got ourselves wrapped up in. If it wasn't for this, that, 50,000 other things, I would have the life I want. No, just have the life you want. And there's, you talked about that, you know, when you shut down into resistance, it's hard for that to filter in. So for me, the biggest, biggest thing, I have it in my little story on my website, and it's in all caps. I go, sorry for yelling at you, but... If I am 100% responsible for my life, then I can change anything in my life. If there's someone else who's responsible for things that are happening to me, I have no power. That's where all of this victimhood comes from. And as long as we are looking outside of ourselves and going, if you would change and you would quit and you would, you know, then my life would be great. And there's that old, old, old saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And of course, when you first hear it, you might think like I did when I was younger, that means everybody needs to make mama happy. But that's not what it means. It means mama needs to get herself happy. And the fallout will be that everybody else will be happy too. Because see, what we fail to understand is if your job is to keep everyone around you happy, so you bend yourself into a pretzel. You, you know, and this is where it fits in with the entrepreneurs and making money. We have a business to run. We have things to do. But so-and-so needs us to make that phone call. So-and-so needs us to run them here, there, and yon. Somebody needs this and somebody needs that. And what we need to do gets put at the back burner. And if we were to say, uh, or, you know, I'm at work, <laughs> shut the door, we're selfish. That's old crap. Now, here's where it really bites. When you get yourself into this place where you are making everybody else around you happy, you automatically expect them to make you happy. They don't care. You have literally set yourself up for massive failure and hurt. Let it go. Uh, Abraham Hicks one time says, people say our teachings are, we're teaching people to be selfish. Yeah, we are. You've got, but we also have that whole airplane deal. You know, when the oxygen mask drops, what do you do? You put it on yourself first 
so you can then be of help to others. But that's how we get ourselves burned out. That's how we get ourselves resentful. And all of these pieces, being resentful, blaming other people, uh, worrying about what other people need from us before we are concerned about what we and our business need, those are all pieces that block us from making the, now we're back to the magic word, money that we really need and want to have. So it becomes this kind of whole, you know, web, but we can move ourselves out of it. I've heard you mention a term, and I'm just going to throw it out here because it Mm -hmm. intrigues me. Goal trauma. Yes. Talk to me about (laughs) trauma associated with not making your goals or setting your goal or actually achieving your goal. Yes, absolutely. So, you know, we've been talking about these places where in your bones, if you will, you're carrying all this information. So I and most of us, I was a big one as well. We have these mysterious behaviors. We have things we do, and I call them mysterious because they're things you do during the day that at the end of the day you go, why did I do that? You know, why did I wander off and watch two hours of Netflix? (laughs) Why did that cookie call my name 14 times and I had to quit working and get up and go do that? And so, you know, we call them, we label them procrastination distractions, uh, bright, shiny objects, all of those pieces. But what I've discovered is that those are simply symptoms like putting a Band-Aid on a broken arm. The broken arm is the goal trauma. And goal trauma, feel into this for yourself. In fact, you could close your eyes if you like. Goal trauma is set up in your system when there was a time and you had something that you really, really wanted and you went after it. And the key is you went after it with your whole heart. You knew it was going to work. You were just adamant that this was going to work and you gave it your all. There may have even been people who poo-pooed you and you just ignored them. Or there are people that made other suggestions and you went, yeah, I got it. Thanks. And you just plowed ahead, plowed ahead. And then for whatever reason, it didn't work. It failed. You, of course, thought I failed and it broke your heart. I am sure each one of us has this type of memory. So just take a nice deep breath and allow your nervous system to calm back down a little. Because what happened when you had that happen, your heart was broken, your nervous system went, oh, don't like that. And we're not ever going to have that again. Mm-mm. We're never going to feel that kind of pain again. So now inside of you is this, a lot of times we call them blocks, but we have this place in your system. It's 
actually wired into the nervous system. That's why we can't think our way out of it. It's like, oh, that happened that long ago. I learned all these lessons from it. I'm over it. You may be over it, but your nervous system is not. It is holding on. So it affects us in two ways. The first is when you want to set a goal, and I can guarantee there's probably not a single person here that you get a brilliant idea and you can see the stars out there. And then immediately the voice in your head says, yeah, and how are you going to do that? And so you pull back a little bit. Well, okay, I won't go for Mars. I'll just go for the moon. Yeah, well, how are you going to do that? Okay, all right, well, wait. Well, last month, <laughs> I did this, and it did okay, so we'll just do that. Okay, now you're all behind it, because you know how to do that. Here's the kicker. You're not moving your business forward. You're not stretching your comfort zone, because that's what you're being perfected from, is stretching your comfort zone. Other piece of that is you're not excited about this goal that you've just made because it's not what you really, really want. That is so key. But if you go up to what you really, really want, there's too much stress and too much strength. So we it causes you to refuse to set a goal that's way out here because half of it you don't know how to do, which is the whole point. If you've got a goal that you know exactly how to do it, it's actually not a goal. It's a task list. You just got to set it. And that's how you, you know, get out of bed and do that thing today. It's just a set of tasks. When you set a big goal, and some of it you know how to do, some of it you haven't got a clue, now you're excited. Now you're telling everybody, I have this awesome project I'm working on. That's what sets the manifestation in motion. People automatically want to help you. Oh, I have a resource for that. I know somebody who's doing something like that. Just all sorts of things come out of the woodwork because... But we can't let ourselves do it because it is that trauma locked in and stops us from it. And so, okay, let's say I went this far outside my comfort zone. So you're sitting down and you're starting to work on this new project. What's going to happen? You're going to go into procrastination. You're going to go into resistance. You're going to go into what ifs. Well, what if bad? We know how to do what if up, but this is what if bad. You know, what if this fails again? Oh, I don't know if I could stand it. Well, maybe I better not tell anybody about it because, <laughs> you know. So it's it's that that process. And what's cool is once you recognize it and see it and understand it and heal it, it's not that difficult to calm your nervous system down and clear that out of your system. But until you actually do it, you this is just going to be a drag on you. And until you can set, now we're at back at the, uh, you know, the well set point. 
until we can move past what we've been programmed to be able to have. People like us don't make more money than that. We all have heard and read stories of people who win the lottery. Oh, yeah, they wanted that money or they wouldn't have bought tickets. And they're thrilled. And usually within two to three years, they are right back or worse than they were before they won the lottery. And people go, I don't understand that. Well, they just spin it crazy. Yes, the outer visible sign was they just bought everything under the sun, right? But the inner part that was functioning was they were getting rid of that money as fast as they could. They didn't deserve it. It wasn't theirs. We do have that thing running on about we have to work hard for our money. Uh, oh, my God, I'm one of those rich people that are terrible and bad. Um, all the all the alls, depending on what your flavor is. But that's what's going on for them. And that's why they got rid of the money as fast as they can. And we see that in our own industry. We will see people who they put together this big thing. Uh, they might have a big launch. They make a lot of money. Well, they sell a lot of stuff and a lot of money comes in, but they're not really making any money. They're, the money they bring in goes out faster than it comes in. And so they're kind of like, no matter what you do, you usually will end up at about the same level of income you've always done. And that's frustrating. But it's all based on this, the ancestral silliness that was locked into our system, the different traumas we have that are anchored into our systems. And so it feels like, oh, there's no hope. Yeah, there's absolute hope. Absolute. And it's through awareness. It's through instead of, wait, I need to go buy another book on how to not procrastinate. And when I start procrastinating, I want to sit and go, what's really going on? What am I afraid of? What do I think will happen if I actually do this? Or what, as in what do I think will happen? But there's also the good and the bad. There's, you know, what do I think the negative concept, what's it going to cost me if this comes true? Because we got all these things going on in our heads. And that's why coaches are so wonderful. Because coaches are standing outside of your paradigm. And they're able to go, hmm, do you see this? And you're, of course, going, no, or I wouldn't be here talking to you. <laughs> but we're able to just go, oh, yeah, clear as a bell. That, mm. And then when you have really skilled coaches, like I know Jean is, we're able to lead you to the place where you can heal those inner pieces. So a lot of this stuff we're, <clears throat> we're fussing at ourselves for, excuse me, <clears throat> because that's the other habit that women do. Bless our hearts. We internalize everything. So at the end of the day, if your, your uh, to-do list is longer than it was when you started, <laughs> and you did all these things that you consider bad, like procrastinating and all those kinds of things, or you let people run all over your boundaries and you still didn't get anything done, immediately, what do we say? There's something wrong with me. 
that is not true. And it's not okay. It's not okay. And it's not true that it's your fault, that there's a fault line in you. Uh, yes, you're dealing with a trauma syndrome that you didn't even, until this minute, didn't even know existed. And you're doing all these kind of things over here that there are people out there in the world that say, oh, let, again, how many books are there written about how to keep a schedule, <laughs> how to stop procrastinating, how to get over resistance? But again, they're putting a Band-Aid on that broken arm. So it is. it can be incredibly frustrating. And the beautiful part, uh, Eckhart Tolle talks about it this way, suffering is the number one consciousness facilitator. And I say money is number two. And what that means is it's things that are going on where you go, like I finally did, sitting on the couch, basically in the fetal position, sucking my thumb, I'm out. I, I'm, I cannot, cannot take, do this anymore. I quit. I give up. And of course, the angels were dancing because they're like, yes, now we can come do our job. But, <laughs> but it, something going on in your life that you do not like brings you to a place of identifying what you really want and then identifying that and deciding that you're having it allows the universe to morph things around and you're here listening to this podcast hearing this which might be for you a brand new way of looking at this why because you ask for something better the universe is delivering it to you. There is a movie that I was drawn to. It, it wasn't my history, but the message, and it's a Jennifer Lopez, it's an old movie. It's called Enough. Mm, okay. When you get to the point where you just can't take it anymore and you just say enough, mm -hmm. that for so many people is the pivotal point where everything changes. Yes. So long, in her case, it was an abusive ex. Right. Yeah. And she was just no longer willing to accept him stalking her and you know, all the, the psychological pain and physical, emotional, mental pain. But for so many of us, we get to the point where we just say, enough. Yes. I no longer accept XYZ and my life will not reflect that. Mm -hmm. That betrayal, that whatever happened that was your decision point yes because and in a lot of the classes um that that i've been involved in there comes a point where you decide and if you're not taking actions to move you there then you haven't made the decision yet yeah I'm sure you've heard that yes <laughs> yes and yeah absolutely and and that another word for that enough point is surrender. Surrendering. Just, I'm out of it. Not doing this anymore. And it, when we do that, we set, we literally set the universe in motion to bring us what we really want. Because, you know, the very, very, very best way to know what we want 
It is the exact opposite of what we don't like. So being able to go, all right, I'm not, and I love that term. I am not tolerating this, 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 and this anymore. Not doing it. Now, in our old selves, we would immediately go to, okay, so what do I got to do? But that's not what, that's not exactly what we're advising you to do here. <laughs> this is a more of a, uh, an, a literal, spiritual, energetic move. If there is something for you to do, you will be guided to do it. And you will not be doing it from fear. Oh, this word just came to me. So thank you, guys. You'll be doing it from fierceness. Oh, cool. You'll be doing it from that place that went not tolerating that anymore. And you can just, just saying it, you feel yourself kind of stand up. And then you can make steps. But when we are like, oh, I, uh, uh, and then, or I'm just so mad, I'm going, to, you haven't made a decision. You're just acting out. Mm -hmm. And okay, maybe something gets shifted during that, but it's going to slink right back because there's not a decision. And all right, is it easy? No. <laughs> I'm all for flow and I'm all for things to being fun and easy and recognizing that there is effort in everything. But when you're in flow, you know, that's something else Gene and I are working with is this whole thing of, you know, time expands and contracts when you're in flow. And so you're going to get more done when you are in flow than if you are just doing it from fear and from battling and from uh, pushing. If you I can, just have to do it. If you can quit pushing. And that's a good question. All right, here's this thing I have to do. Do you really have to do it? Well, somebody said I did. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Yeah. Even, even if that somebody's you. And what I love is this idea of being um, a surrendered to source. Uh, that's the my story in the new book that um, I'm part of. It's this idea of... Until I feel a pull to actually do something, I'm not doing it. And and the way this plays out for me is if there's a phone call I have to make, I don't really want to make the phone call. It's just like, like okay, fine, I'm just making that phone call. And I make the phone call. Inevitably, whoever I get on the other end doesn't know what's going on. They're not in a good mood. They have a fight with somebody themselves, uh, you know. And so it's just, it's roadblock after roadblock after roadblock. Or I go, okay, this this phone call needs to be made. Not happening today. One day it comes up, I go, okay, I'm going to make that phone call. And I make it. And I get Susie Q, who just got back from vacation. She's the head of the department. She's happy as a little lark. Takes me one quarter of the time and everything is resolved in my favor and we're done. I have a theory. 
Okay. <laughs> I believe we are all going to end up exactly where our soul is leading us in this life. There are things our soul wants to take care of and do and grow and expand, and we're going to be there. There's always free will and there's always choice. And I believe this is our free will. We're going there. Regardless, we're going there. We can flow there or we can get pulled through the knot hole backwards. We can run into obstacles and get banged around the entire trip. We're going to end up there. We can't miss our boat. We'll be on the boat when it leaves. Or we can listen to our heart. We can get our head and our ego out of the driver's seat. And we can flow to get there and enjoy the journey. That, to me, is the difference. That's the choice. Uh, I was saying about this bus um, metaphor here. When I first recognized that, ooh, okay, ego is is driving the bus, which is like giving a two-year-old keys. Yes. So I put the ego over like, you know, over here and then I'm driving the bus. And the ego still has a say about where we go. And I said, no, we're not going there. You know, so it's still this constant conversation. And then I realized I don't drive the bus either. Spirit drives the bus. I sit, I do not sit behind spirit and backseat drive. I sit on the other side about five rows back, and all I do is look at the scenery and enjoy the ride. Ego is at the back of the bus with colors and jacks and cards and is playing and having a good time. And as long as we all function in our roles, we flow through life. Good things always happen to me. The universe and everything in it is conspiring for me. All is well. All is well. Does it mean shit doesn't happen? No. I've had cancer. I lost a son in a car accident. Shit happens. We're human. It happens. How do you thrive through that? I wasn't driving the bus. I didn't like it. But I'm not driving the bus. So I stayed in my lane, stayed in my center, stayed. Uh, when he passed, I, I realized if I started thinking about him as my teeny tiny little baby, I lost it. If I started thinking about the fact that his three kids now didn't have a dad and all the stuff he would miss, I lost it. And I had to keep coming back into this moment. It is what it is. It is what it is. He had a whole <laughs> little kid. He was 31. Um, he had been on a specific soul mission his entire life. I will be kind and say it that way. <laughs> he was a trip. And he had done what he came here to do, and he left. If I could stay centered, I was centered, and the universe drove the bus. I was even, my husband goes, how could you do that? I'm like, I got up, I ext what's that word? 
without preparing. <laughs> There's a big word for that, and it's not going to come right now. Uh, I stood up and talked at his uh, service. Wow. Yeah. And it was it was like an, it was almost like an out of body experience. It was amazing, and I'm glad I was able to do it. And again, like my husband says, oh, "How do you do that?" I'm like, "Because I stay centered, honey, and the universe." Spirit moves me to do what it is I need to do when I need to do it. And I just do what I need to do. And that's the reason I'm so passionate about the work I do is because I know it works. I know it heals us and brings us to this place where we could be so connected to our authenticity and to our soul that stuff happening out here, yeah, humanly, I don't like it. But energetically and as far, it doesn't mess with my peace vibe. One, You mentioned a word that I have to bring up to quite a few clients occasionally, um, and some of them more than others. We expect ourselves to be perfect in all things, at all times, with all our actions, with all our goals, with all our plans. Only there's this little pesky thing that gets in the way quite frequently, and that is that you are human. <laughs> you are not God. You are not perfect. You're not a, a statue that sits over here and controls the world. <laughs> you are actually a being moving through the world, interacting with other beings in the world mm -hmm. that you can't control. Yeah, yeah. You are human. You have to allow yourself to understand that no one expects you, except for yourself perhaps, to be perfect all the time, to never fail, because if you never fail, you've never tried anything new probably. Yeah. <laughs> or you're just lucky enough that you've tried things that you were really already equipped to handle. Yes. And there's yes. something to be said for that, doing all the prep work so that when you get there, you do the vision work. Your body knows exactly how it's supposed to react, and it does it appropriately. Yes, absolutely. And that's that's a really good skill to work through, but you can't apply it. I wrote a, um, uh, an article about this one time, and it's what I believe where perfectionism really comes from. And at a soul level, you are perfect whole and complete there there is nothing that you can add to or take away from your essence and then we come into this you know, just a tiny little bit of our essence comes to light up our bodies to enliven us and now we're humans having this ride and i'm like coming to earth as a human is like going to disney and being on the teacup ride till we throw up you know it's like hey we're just here to have fun right uh, and then eventually you outgrow that and you want to go to Epcot where things are more peaceful. And I, to me, that's our awakening moment, right? But I feel like sometimes, now there's a lot of other reasons for it as well. You know, again, the childhood stuff about how if you're not perfect, you're lamb blasted, you know, and all of that. But I think there is this piece to it that we're still, we're here on planet Earth. We're doing our thing. And we're trying to reconnect to that perfect, whole, and complete part of us. And we're thinking somehow I can replicate that 
in my human experience. But that's not what we're here for. And so, yes, owning you are perfect, whole, and complete in your essence. You, there, that's where our value comes from. All this crap about charge what you are worth. You couldn't possibly charge what you're worth. You'd have to charge a god billion dollars to charge what you're worth. We have to stand in our worth. And then that's a whole other subject on you know, what we charge and why we charge it. But from there... I'm perfect, whole, and complete. I can go out here and bumble around and be an idiot. And I'm still perfect, whole, and complete. And yes, I want to do a good job. I want to show up authentically. But that certainly doesn't mean that I'm going to do everything perfect. It doesn't mean that every single thing I do is going to suit. Oh, it's certainly not going to suit everyone. Because you realize we have a whole bunch of people out there, and they're usually our potential clients, who are still bumbling around, banging into walls. And then we're over here shining a light, being calm and beautiful and, and just raising the whole vibration of the earth, which is what our job is. And they go, I don't like that. It's too much light. Well, it's not you. It's the fact that they can't see themselves in the light yet. And so we just go, blessings. <laughs> Be on your way. So, yeah. Yeah, one of the important things, one of the things that entrepreneurs, small business owners, or people moving into that realm mm -hmm. need to become very clear on is, who is my ideal client? Mm -hmm. Because I'm very clear that... <clears throat> The people you just mentioned who don't believe what I do, who don't see any value in it, that's not my client. Absolutely. I don't need to convince them. Yeah. That's not my mission in life. <laughs> my mission is to help people who are looking for me, who are yes. ready or in that place emotionally, mentally, spiritually, physically, whatever. And they're drawn to me. Yes. The value I provide. Um, I had a visual about this one time and because I was raised, you know, with this idea that it was my responsibility to go out and save the world. And so, you know, you met the, the, the world and all the people in the world are kind of like the lemmings, you know, they're just, they're headed for the edge of that cliff. They're going to fall off. And so I used to stand in front of them and yell, no, stop, stop, stop. And of course I would either get pushed off the cliff or get run over. And then I finally came to the understanding that that's not my role. So I go to the side of where the lemmings are, and I pitch this beautiful, I think of a harem tent in my mind is what it looks like. But, you know, this fabulous, gorgeous tent. It's multicolored. It's huge and pendants. And I'm just sitting there reading my book, meditating, uh, journaling, you know, whatever I'm doing. And every now and then, the lemming will go, wait, what was that? And then they run off the cliff. And then finally, one will run by and go, oh, my goodness. And they actually come over and ask me, what are you doing? Now I'll share every bit of wisdom I have. That's your ideal client. Talking 
just to try to slow people down to maybe find you, there's a lot of wasted breath and wasted energy. And you so, have people already looking for you. And so ignore them. Least after people who are not interested. Yeah. But that is such well, an easy thing to fall into. It really is. Well, it is if you think about it, that it's that ingrained savior motif of its. I, I mean, if I already got people over here ready for me to work with them, they don't need saving. I got to go over here and grab, get these people, not to have more, but because what's going to happen to those people? But w when we can get out of that savior mentality, what we recognize is they were never our clients to begin with. They belong to someone else. The biggest thing that I ever finally got was this idea, because I'm in the awakening business, right? I want everybody to awaken. There are people alive on planet Earth today whose sole journey is not to awaken this lifetime. They, they will never get it. They will never come around. They will never understand. That's not what they're here for. And so if we go trying to convince them, you really ought to change your life, you really ought to do whatever, 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 we're actually interfering with their soul path. And when I, I got that, I'm just like, it freed me completely up. I'm a lighthouse. I stand in my spot in my lighthouse. A lighthouse does not run around an island looking for boats to save. That's a really good picture there that you just painted. Yeah. So we stand strong in what we believe and what we're teaching and what we're doing. But I also get with some clients the idea, well, they tell me, I don't get the idea, they tell me that I don't want to limit myself to just working with like a niche because look at all the income. I, I can help everybody. Well, yeah, you could, but you're not. <laughs> well, and something that helped me with that was this understanding that uh, when we're talking about niching down and we're talking about marketing, we limit, quote unquote, ourselves. It's, it's not a limit. It's a focus. So the sun shines and it's everything is, is lit. If we want to burn a leaf, we've got to focus that light in down on the leaf and that light will come down and it'll burn that leaf up. No one on planet Earth, Elon Musk, <laughs> and whatever that other dude is. No one has enough money to market to everyone. So when we're talking about as business coaches, niching down, you know, looking at who, who are you serving so that you can talk specifically to them does not mean that's just where am I putting my marketing money? And, my mar and, and not just money, but the time and the effort and all the things that you do in marketing, where am I focusing that? So let's say you decide that you're, I am, 
I am focusing on women who are making money in their businesses and they cannot seem to break through the six figures and they're ready to be, they've had enough of this piddling around and they're ready to make the change. That's who I market to. Now, from that marketing, I get people that haven't even started a business yet. Do I say, oh, I'm sorry? No. No, of course not. <laughs> because they they're want your money. <laughs> they're called here. But I am not marketing. So it's like we, we're talking about two different things. We're not talking about I'm limiting myself from never helping anybody but this one person. But you are talking about, I, I do recognize that there is a, I want to funnel in my marketing into this channel so that it is stronger. It's like the light behind you. It's, it is strong. It is focused. People read it and, and, and make sure that this niche is the purple you really want to work with. So that it's people that you want. You, oh my goodness, if this lady showed up, oh, you would just be dancing in the street because you want to work with her so bad. She shows up on your calendar for a session and you're like, oh, I get to talk to her today. That's who you want. So that's who you're focused on. That's marketing. Your business is open to everyone. And they will find you. Oh, I only work with women. I have two male clients. They're very, very uh, feminine energy oriented. <laughs> I will give them that. But they're attracted to what I have. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm sorry, I only work with women. So it's this idea of separate the two out because they are different. And not only that, your focus may change over time and your marketing strategy may change to a different audience when you become interested in a new part, a new aspect of what you do. Well, you know, you're making a decision for now, not forever, <laughs> right? Here we are. Don't go six years out. Yeah. Well, and the other part is most of us, especially when we're doing transformational work, our clients are who we were five years ago. So the clients I'm working with today are much different than the clients I was working with five years ago, because five years ago, I was nowhere near where I am today. So am I not working with those people, the ones I originally worked with? I'm certainly not marketing to them. But there's a lot of free stuff out there and they can come join my lower, um, you know, end stuff and yada, yada. But they are not my market for what I'm selling right now, for what I have grown into as an expert. And different people are at different levels and they find you at the time that's right for them to find you. Yes. And unfortunately, we're coming really close to the end yes, of our time. <laughs> that's an interesting conversation that I didn't want to go here, but, you know, that happens. So, are there any final words you'd like to leave our listeners with? Yes. And then we'll talk about what I have for them, right? Yeah. Okay. So, I'm going to share, this was what saved me, if you will, because I had gotten into that habit. This is when I quit, gave up, surrendered. Uh, a habit of being negative and critical and looking outside of myself at what everybody else had done, was doing to me. And, and this idea was leaning toward happy. 
the decision I made at that time, I read The Secret, and I'm like, oh, wow, I've got some power here. I really am not powerless. And ha being happy was the decision I made. But you can't really go, because happy is like right up there with love on the end, on the scale. And at the very bottom is where I was, which was depressed and down and all. And it's, you can't make that leap. But you can go to relief, and then you can go to hope, and then you can go. So as life, you know, life just carried on. Nobody else around me had an epiphany like I had, right? So when something would happen, I would go, okay, I can focus on this and be mad or upset and all the alls, or I can lean toward happy. I can focus over here on what it is I want instead. Somebody just snapped at me. I want these people to be loving and kind to me. Hmm, that's what I'm having. And leaning, just, just lean. Sometimes we, well, we make a decision. We see what's wrong. I want that. And we think, okay, it's going to happen in the next 12 minutes. Sometimes there's a little bit of unraveling. <laughs> <laughs> to do because we've got ourselves all knotted up into this fall right there's some unraveling to do so it can be very 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 gentle i will say that it probably didn't take me six months to where i didn't have to be so consciously i'm leaning i'm moving over here i'm moving over here i just automatically did it because my vibrational set point was rising and all i can really tell y'all is that I am so thankful and grateful that my vibrational level was way up here when those two things happened in my life. Because I probably would not, probably wouldn't be here if I had already been depressed and had that added to it. So, yeah, and it's it's just a matter of a little relief. What will bring me a little relief? Before I had this fight, which is the common fight. I mean, hello, the game is out. My next move is to argue back, right? I'm just going to pick my piece up off the board and I'm going to go take a walk. I am not going to, I'm not going to bite. You just, y'all, y'all just go right on and play, whatever. I'm not, I'm going to go over here and do this. So it's becoming, becoming aware of your responses and allow it to allow them to become responses from reaction and just being aware and leaning toward happy, lean toward happy, lean toward happy. And then you'll be wealthy. Cool. <laughs> so you brought it up. So let's go there. Your website is sacredlifemastery.art. Yes. Which is really sacred. Cool. Yeah. Well, sacred life mastery is an art. It is, it's, it is an art and a practice. So what I have for you today, and you can pick it up there, is my assessment to see if goal trauma is actually functioning in your life. So in 10 minutes or less, you will know whether or not this is something that's running. And it'll also give you some um, guidance on how to break it and, and leave it behind. Cool. And all those links will be below. If you didn't catch them while we were talking very quickly, um, all the links are right below. And I want to thank you so much, so much, so much for being here. 
I really enjoy my time with, with such cool people that I get to hang out with doing this. And thank you for the platform. Oh, yeah. people are one. I can feel your people. They are wonderful. Yeah. So I want to thank my listeners for tuning in once again, and we will be back again next week. This is your host, Jean Border, with the Focus Practical Dreamers Journey podcast. <laughs> Until next time. Thank you for tuning in to the Focused Practical Dreamers Journey, where we take out your emotional baggage and heal your emotional body so you get to enjoy the success you desire and deserve. Remember to visit our website at www.focusedpracticaldreamer.com and enjoy even more great episodes like this one. Again, while you're here, subscribe to us via your favorite network. We look forward to seeing you next time on the Focused Practical Dreamer's Journey.